You're listening to the IDP guys with Sean, John, and Nathan, the Wizards of Fantasy Football. Your go-to source for the individual defensive player strategy. And now, three guys who could only make an NFL team on Madden. Hi, welcome to the IDP guys. My name is Nathan, and I'm here joined with my co-host, John. Hey, what's up? And Sean Lanigan. What's up, guys? So... Last week, I went on a pretty long rant about Aaron Rodgers getting a doctorate in humanities. And uh, as it turns out, I was grossly misinformed. And he did not get an actual doctorate in humanities. He got an honorary one for his work in uh, donating a lot of money to child cancer. So Obviously, I was mistaken there, so I just want to apologize if I offended anybody there because obviously I did not do my research before going on that rant. It was kind of just a spur of the moment thing. Sounds good. All right, with that, let's uh, talk about the opening question. Uh, Why specifically do you guys say a 4-3 is better than a 3-4 for IDP production? What do you say, John? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't, it's not set in stone for me. I'll take whoever's the, the better deal, but just looking at the last couple of years, I noticed, um, that, uh, out of the top 10 that, that finished linebacker wise for combined tackles, uh, last year, nine out of the 10 were, uh, middle linebackers out of a four three with the exception of Demario Davis on the jets, 2016, same thing, nine out of 10, uh, middle linebackers, four, three. 2015, 10 out of 10, 2014, 9 out of 10, 2013, 10 out of 10. Uh, so it looks like your your top performers are going to be your Luke Keekleys, your Deion Jones, guys like that, that are set up really well as the middle linebacker in a 4-3, which is a great place for run stuffing, um, for getting those easy tackles. Uh, also, I like the fact that uh, it makes the defensive tackles a little more draftable. If you've got a defensive tackle and a 3-4, they're going to be a nose tackle, and that ends up being more of a space taker than a playmaker, and it kind of kills some of their production. Uh, also, something that I like about the 4-3 is there's no there's none of that designation bullshit that we run into trouble with all the time. Like uh, with the 3-4, those edge linebackers can be a defensive end. They can be a linebacker. It really just depends on what site you're using for fantasy and what they think and it can be annoying sometimes. Like a good example, we're going to talk about this in news in a minute. Khalil Mack just moved back to defensive end in my fantasy league. He was a linebacker and he was drafted as a linebacker in the draft we just did for dynasty. And I guarantee you, if he was a defensive end, he would have been more expensive and would have been, you know, uh, a higher value. Uh, so I, I just, that, that, that stuff kind of sours me on the three, four somewhat, but, um, uh, you know, just overall, I'm taking whoever the better deal is. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. The 4-3, like, just if you look at it logistically, like, the 4-3 middle linebacker is in the best spot to make tackles. And additionally, when you're drafting a 4-3 middle linebacker, as not like as a fantasy player, as a GM of an actual team, when you're drafting a 4-3 middle linebacker, you're drafting someone with a very specific skill set. And that skill set is to be able to fill the gaps in the middle of the field. And so, you know, you're picking a guy that is traditionally able to be a thumper between the tackles. And so just the skill set combined with the logistical spot, 
generally ends up as a beneficial spot for a linebacker. So like, if you look at the numbers, there's a lot of three, four linebackers that end up in the, you know, top 24 or whatever, but also there are twice as many linebackers in that pool because, you know, in a three, four, you have two middle linebackers as opposed to a four, three, where you just have the one. So like when you're looking at it statistically, it's a little misleading at looking at how many three, four linebackers end up, you know, in the top areas of like final production, just because there are twice as many inside linebackers in the three, four as there are in the four, three. So, you know, it's a really simple concept, but it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook. Yeah. And I think that um, with a four, three, it's, it's a situation where the middle linebacker doesn't, it'll raise their value if they're not as good of an athlete or as good as of a linebacker. Take Josh Bynes, for example. Um, he's in Arizona right now looking to possibly be that, uh, that middle linebacker there. And he's been kind of a, a backup uh, in Detroit and uh, Baltimore for most of his career. So now that he's being looked at as that middle linebacker, it kind of raises him into a draftable, a fantasy football draftable state where uh, in a, a three, four, he would be probably not as relevant um, as an interior linebacker. So um, it, it just kind of the looking out for those uh, four or yeah, four, three uh, linebackers is a way of finding like um, a diamond in the rough. Uh, that can have production um, that doesn't necessarily have to be the best player. Uh, so yeah, like look at Preston Brown to hear Whitehead. Like those are good examples of guys that aren't super gifted, but uh, we're in the right situation at the right time and had huge, production. huge numbers because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you compare that to the three, four then where like the four, three, your middle linebacker is going to be soaking up most of those tackles, regardless of who's playing there. Whereas if you go to the three, four, and you stick someone like Josh Bynes in there, they're competing for tackles with the other inside linebacker. And, you know, like generally in those situations, the top talent rises to the top because, you know, it's a one V one type of situation. Whereas the four, three, you know, you're put in a position to make tackles and you're not competing with anybody else for those tackles generally where, you know, you have your, weak side and strong side linebackers, they're going to get some of that stuff. But in general, your middle linebacker is going to be the primary tackler on your team, regardless of talent level. Whereas if you go to the three, four, your talent level much more dictates how well you're going to do there because you have to beat out the other guy who's playing a very similar position to you. Yep. Yep. Definitely. This week's news. Wow, new drops. Yeah, you guys like that? Exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. So I guess it's this week's news, so uh, let's, let's go with it. Uh, Reuben Foster pleads no contest to misdemeanor weapons charge. This is, let me see, the marijuana, the weapons charge, the uh, domestic assault that was tossed. Uh, this is a pattern of behavior, which is what the NFL is looking at here. And uh, the article I read from NFL.com said the NFL is considering a multi-game ban. At this point, I would assume there's going to be some kind of uh, suspension here. I mean, that's that's three things you're in court for. 
that are all just stupid thought process stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you're a Ruben Foster owner, I would just be prepared for a possible suspension coming up here. Mm-hmm. If you're a Ruben Foster owner in Dynasty, you're like him not getting in trouble for any of this with the law is a great scenario for you because it just extends the time to sell him. Where, like, this type of stuff, I'm not saying that he's guilty of anything or he's not guilty of anything, but generally when you have this type of stuff, it means that you're putting yourself in situations that can get you in trouble, regardless of whether you're the guilty party or not. And if you continue to put yourself in bad situations, bad things are eventually going to happen. And, you know, whether that's actual trouble with the law or another suspension or a year long suspension, longer suspension, drugs, whatever, you know, that's, this is all stuff that, even if he doesn't get in trouble, it's something that they're going to have in mind when they go forward with punishment in the future with things. So if you have him in dynasty, a lot of people are kind of breathing like just a sigh of relief right now because he didn't actually get in trouble with the law. So I'm trying to sell him right now because you can still get relatively top dollar for him and try and, you know, just move on from it and just, beat it out before it starts going downhill. And, you know, there's no guarantee that it will. Maybe he gets it all together and he learns from this stuff and stops putting himself in those situations or maybe not. But, you know, that's the type of thing where I think if you can cash out, even you're at least like getting rid of the risk of that. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that. Uh, Next piece we had was uh, to hear Whitehead did a interview at the, uh, the bills OTAs. Tell your Whitehead did? Oh, excuse me. Tredavious White. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh, So he's talking about uh, Tremaine Edmonds, right? Who we've been really big on just due to situation like we were just talking about and um, and how well he did in college. Uh, So Tredavious White said, quote, he's one of the best young linebackers in the league and that he's, quote, commanded the huddle so far and that he's shown a a lot of knowledge uh, that he wouldn't normally see out of a college player. So this is all really good news for for anyone that's targeting him in Dynasty or Redraft coming up. This is one of the few rookies, I think, that are going to be part of like that 3% we talked about last week that really pan out in the top 64. So uh, that's that's really good news um, for Tremaine Edmonds. You, you guys got a comment on that? Yeah, I don't buy too much into this. I mean, what's he going to say? Like, our first-round draft pick sucks. <laughs> you know, like... But, there's no alternative here. So if someone asks him about Tremaine Edmonds, obviously he's going to sing his praises. Like this is just something where it is what it is. And what this means is that Tredavious White and uh, Tremaine Edmonds, as far as we know, do not have any personal issues where they hate each other. And that's about all that we can surmise here. Works for me. Uh, Okay. Next piece of news is I I think the big one, Uh, Julian Edelman suspended four games for PEDs. What, kind of consequences are we looking at Sean uh, I think it's like four games and I don't know it's not really honestly like this makes him a buy for me in drafts because I think a lot of people are going to overestimate four games and especially just because like I don't know the first four games of a fantasy season and this may be a bit of a hot take but generally like people are still trying to figure out their teams and you know, like a lot of guys that are on your roster won't be on your roster in four weeks. And, you know, people are still scouring the waiver wires. So, you know, like those four weeks are going to come to an end and he's 
going to come back and he's still going to be a valuable asset. So I don't know. For me, I think this means I'm going to have more shares of Julian Edelman in redraft than I would have had otherwise. So I am not super concerned with this. For those first four weeks, who do you think soaks up the targets? Is it going to be Hogan, Gronk? Do they throw to the running backs more? What do you think? I think it's going to be a combination of everything. Um, Hogan really did well toward the end of last year. Um, Trying to think of who they added. They added Jordan Matthews, right? Uh, Yeah, they got Cordell Patterson too. Yeah, Cordell Patterson is just not interesting to me at all. Um, Gronk, you know, like (laughs) that could be interesting because, you know, that could free up a lot of targets for Gronk before he inevitably goes down with an injury. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I... I don't tend to own a lot of Patriots wide receivers in general. Um, this might be the exception this year where I end up with a lot of Edelman, but, uh, and even Gronk, like I think I've only had him once. It just, it doesn't end up happening because I think people are just in love with the Patriots and I tend to not want to overprice it. Yeah. I also, um, I had heard that Edelman is currently in appeal process for the uh, suspension. So yeah, those appeals, they never really work. Well, they just delay the inevitable. Right. So it could delay his uh, suspension into the season. Um, who knows? We're still the early, um, uh, early time for the, this whole process. So um, just keeping an eye on that would probably be good because, you know, if it's the beginning of the season, that's one thing. If it's towards the end of the season, uh, that's a whole, whole nother thing. Yeah. Right, we'll see what happens. And uh, the last piece of news here, Khalil Mack uh, moved back to defensive end in my fantasy league, which is absolutely great news. It makes him relevant again. And uh, that's exactly what my comment was when I saw it on Twitter. In my fantasy league, like my comment, Senpai noticed me. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Also the Kareem Hunt thing, right? Uh, What's that? He punched somebody in a bar, I thought. What? I didn't hear about oh that. God. What? When All was right. that? Let me look this up. You guys keep going. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> problem. Yeah, look that up. Let's talk about that. Definitely. Uh, just real quick while we're doing the news and notes, I've got a note here. Uh, so last week we covered uh, Gary's article on five-year rookie success rates. And he just uh, reached out to me and wanted to be, you know, to clarify a couple things. Uh, that uh, he's not a rookie hater. Uh, he just doesn't depend on them as main starters in their rookie year. And uh, that's just due to the the 3% chance we were talking about. And uh, they're just not a sure thing. And that, uh, you know, we, we we don't hate rookies either. You know, no, no one hates rookies here. It's just it's just tough when you look at those numbers. Like three, 3% out of, what was it, like 3 out of 127 or something last year? Like, yeah. that's that's really tough. So that that's the only reason why we kind of frowned on it a little bit. But... Uh, Gary is not anti-rookie. All right. So Kareem Hunt uh, allegedly punched a man at an Ohio resort. And I must have missed this one, too. Um, In February, a 19-year-old woman uh, said that Kareem Hunt pushed him in a hotel room. And Hunt's friend said the accuser called Hunt the N-word. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so I there's there's no actual information on this right now. It's just it was just an allegation. So wow. Andy Reid hasn't said anything. Nobody said anything, but definitely worth mentioning. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, hopefully it's just smoke and there's there's no fire there. That that yeah, yeah for sure. 
Oh man. So, but, uh, in other news, uh, as far as we are concerned, we're launching a website. We've been talking about this past couple weeks, but I finally got a date, uh, this Friday at noon, we're going live, uh, tons of articles. We're going to have our rankings. Sean's doing offensive rankings, uh, for dynasty, right? Yeah. Right now I'll probably get around to redraft. I got a full schedule right now, but I got, a. Right now, I have top 200, I think, is what I'm sticking with. I can probably expand it, but I don't know if that's necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So we'll have a lot of different stuff for our listeners and anyone who views the website. So definitely come and check it out. Um, If you follow us on Twitter, uh, you'll you'll get the updates. I sent out an image of the front page uh, just for people to kind of see what it'll look like. And we've got a, a massive response. Um, people are really looking forward to seeing it. Um, and I'm excited to share it all with, uh, with you guys, our listeners and help you win, win your championships based off of, uh, the information we give you. Um, also, uh, as we've been talking about, uh, we have a listener league coming up. Um, we've got eight people so far that have contacted us. Um, and I've got the list of them right next to me here. So they're going to be the first ones that we invite. It's a free league. Uh, there's going to be a um, prize for the, the winner of however many leagues we have. Uh, we'll give out prizes to the top person. So uh, contact us on Twitter at IDP guys. Let us know that you're interested. I'll write your name down. And after we launch this website, I'm going to be, uh, John and I are going to build out the, the leagues on Yahoo and start bringing people in. So do, do you have an email they can contact you at too? No, I mean, not everyone has Twitter. This is true. Um, you can contact me directly. It's a uh, writing writer at gmail.com. W R I T I N G R E I T E R at gmail.com. Um, that, goes directly to my phone and I can get back to you on that. I need to make, I, I I'm making, or well, I made a email for, uh, the podcast, which is Nathan at IDP but it's just not connected with my phone yet. So, um, I'll make sure and have that so that when we start, it seems like a simple fix, you know, like a, <laughs> like a two minute fix. Y- yeah. Like, I mean, I've been like launching a website like now. Do it by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's on my list of things to do and, um, I, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, for sure. it's still early in June. So plenty of time. Yeah. Um, Gut check. all right. As the drop says, it's time to talk about our gut checks. This is the part of the show where we pair up. Uh, two players, uh, we do two sets of defensive players and a set of offensive players and just talk about who we like more than the other, um, kind of as like if we were drafting or if we were setting our lineup, uh, which guy we would prefer. Um, we then take and put that out on Twitter for you guys to respond and let, and we kind of feel how Twitter is um, going with that pairing. And then we come back and talk about it. So I'm going to go over last week's gut checks and uh, we can just see what the results are. The first one is a defensive one. Um, this is Arizona safety Buda Baker. 
versus Cleveland safety Jabril Peppers. Uh, 82 votes, 71% went to Buda Baker. Yeah, that lines up with what we were saying, so uh, no surprise there. Yep. All right. Uh, this is also a defensive one. Uh, Detroit t- uh, defensive tackle Ashawn Robinson versus Rams defensive tackle Indomacon Su. Uh, 76 votes, 68% went to Indomacon Su. Yeah, it, that makes sense also with the uh, the questions on the Detroit defense, what it's going to look like this year. Yeah, for sure. And this last one is our offensive gut check. Uh, Seattle running back Rashad Penny versus Baltimore ru- running back Alex Collins. Uh, 141 votes on this. 69% went to Rashad Penny. Huh. What's that say? It kind of surprises me, but uh, <laughs> what's that? On board. What, what's that mean, Nate? Does that mean that he's going to be inside or outside the top 20? Well, hey, uh, or 24, whatever it was. Yeah, it definitely goes uh, against what I had for my hot take last week. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that more when we get to it. How about that? Oh, I'm sure we I'm will. I'm sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, Johnny, you want to take us with this week's gut checks? Sure. Uh, all right. So this week we'll start with the one offensive. Uh, this is another hype check. So we've got Jarek McKinnon, uh, the running back of the 49ers. Last year, played 16 games, only one start, though. He split time with Latavius Murray for most of the season after Cook went down. He had uh, 570 rush yards, three rush touchdowns, 51 receptions, 421 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, two lost fumbles. And we're pairing him against a guy with a very similar kind of season and and stats from last year in a similar situation. Kenyon Drake uh, played all 16 games, only had six starts, though. Had 644 rush yards, three rush touchdowns, 32 receptions for 239 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, two tackles for loss. So who are we taking this year in our gut check? I'm going to go Drake, um, even though Gore's there to leech off a little bit. I feel like he's going to get the lion's share of the touches. And uh, I I feel like with Landry leaving, they're going to be a bit more of a run first team. Uh, I just think he's going to do better. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm not a big uh, Kenyon Drake fan. I'm also not a big McKinnon fan. Um, I'm going to take Drake here, um, mostly because I like him, or I, I dislike him less than <laughs> McKinnon. So we'll get to McKinnon later. But yeah, for now, just I'm going Drake. Yeah, I, I, I really don't care for either of these guys. I don't usually have them on my team. Um, McKinnon is interesting because of the change over to San Francisco. Um, I think I'm going to go Drake just because I, I don't know. I, I have a weird feeling about McKinnon and I feel like he's overhyped right now. So, oh, it's I, been me talking in your ear for the last six months. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I guarantee you when we put this on Twitter, McKinnon's going to absolutely crush Drake. It's not going to be close. Right. Right. But you know, we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, next one's the first of our two defensive we're going to put up a couple of 3-4 linebackers uh, against each other here. Uh, Bernardrick McKinney, inside linebacker Houston in a 3-4. Played all 16 games, started all 16 games last year. Had 62 solo, 33 assists, 3 sacks, 1 pass defense, 1 forced fumble. Going up against Darren Lee, the linebacker out of the Jets. Uh, also inside linebacker in a 3-4. Uh, played 15 games, started 15 games. Had 67 solo tackles, 27 assists. Three sacks, three pass defense, two force fumbles. 
and this isn't even close for me. I'm going Darren Lee uh, by a long, long way here. Hmm. Uh, if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, Houston's going to have a halfway decent offense. The Jets' offense is going to be hot garbage. They're going to be on defense all the time. And even with Avery Williamson next to him soaking up the majority of the production, there's still going to be plenty of production to go around, and Darren Lee will feast once again. What say you? Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty good uh, breakdown of the Jets. Uh, If you look at Cleveland last year in the hot garbage that they were um, as far as you know, wins and the the time on the field for the defense. They were able to support three linebackers, two, uh, one of them in the top ten, and then well, the, two in the top. Was 10. it two in the top yeah. ten? Okay, two in the top ten. And if you combine Burgess and Collins into one person, he'd be in the top fifteen. Okay, yeah. So, um, it's pretty obvious that you know uh, the Jets aren't. I wouldn't put the Jets at a no win team uh, because that is incredibly hard to do uh first off there's only been two teams to do it in um well the in the 16 game period uh i think there was an o in 14 yeah tampa did it back yeah in the day. um but since we went to o and six uh to 16 games there's only been two o and 16 teams um just happened to be a fan of one of them but uh with that said there's plenty of production on the Jets defense to support multiple um, linebackers. I do like Bernardrick McKenney, um, but I think I'll side with Darren Lee on this just for the situation's sake. I think I'm going to go in the opposite direction and take McKinney here just because Darren Lee. Uh, I Okay. So McKinney has been good in the past. Darren Lee in my opinion, never really has. He's never really been a good linebacker. And I think that, at least for me, I have more faith in McKinney bouncing back after a bad season than I do Darren Lee taking a step forward. Because I think it's always tough, obviously it's always tough to project what players are capable of. And I think that it's a lot easier once you've seen them do it to believe that they can do it again if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so at least for me like i would count on mckinney bouncing back over lee getting better yeah and uh mckinney's been super consistent too so you're right yeah and i do agree that the situation's much better for lee so it wouldn't surprise me this is kind of one that i could go either way on but i just don't believe like, I don't believe that he's going to take that next step forward that everyone had hoped that he would take last year, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and McKinney's only competing against really uh, Cunningham, uh, who would be a second-year guy now. So um, the the Royd guy left. I forget his name. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Linebacker. Uh, you have to be a little more specific. <laughs> t- took steroids, looks like a maniac. Um, I don't know. I'll look him up, but... Yeah. Uh, I think you're happy with either guy. I just think it's going to be Lee by a nose here. Um, all righty. Uh, last one. Uh, another Jets guy. Pair of safeties here. Uh, Jamal Adams, second-year safety out of the Jets. Uh, last year played and started all 16 games. Had 63 solo tackles, 20 assists. Six pass defense, two sacks, one forced fumble. This is going up against Earl Thomas, who had similar numbers, uh, although he only played 14 and started 14 games. Uh, had 56 solo tackles excuse me, 32 assists, 
zero sacks, seven pass defense, two picks, one touchdown, one forced fumble. Uh, and I'm just going to go Jets because um, I, I like their situation better. And I read an article today saying Earl Thomas won't even step on the field unless they renegotiate his contract. Yeah, so, he's holding out. Yeah, so there's all kinds of issues there. And as, as much as Seattle has offensive line trouble and stuff, they're still going to score points. They're still going to have a halfway decent offense, whereas the Jets will not. Um, and I think Jamal Adams will still be able to get his and, and maybe even improve some. Um even with uh, Avery Williamson and Darren Lee in front of him. So I'm going Adams. What do you guys think? I think I'm going to disagree again here uh, just because I think that, okay, so I'll put an asterisk by this. I disagree if Earl Thomas plays week one and plays through the season Um, because I think that that defense got worse. He only played 14 games last year. I don't think he's showing any signs of slowing down and, like, yeah, I love Jamal Adams. I think he was a top five, top 10 prospect for me last year. But um, Earl Thomas has proven that he's really good on a year-to-year basis. And his situation, in my opinion, has improved over last year. Yeah, I mean, they have lost a, a bunch of really good guys on defense. So I can see that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess I'll be the tiebreaker here. I'm going to side on the Earl Thomas um, take kind of a lot of what Sean had said as far as, you know, if he makes it on the field, if he plays, if they renegotiate that contract, Um, just because he's, they've both done it before, but Earl Thomas is that veteran um, and he's done it more often. So I think I'm going to side there, but I think they're very close. Yeah, I mean, that's why I put them together. Right, right. <laughs> for sure. Nice work. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, so with that, let's uh, kick it over to you, Sean, for uh, your latest installment of the draft segment. Uh, you, Where are you taking us this week? Uh, we're going to the AFC North. Um, we're only going to do half of it because there's something like 24 players that I found interesting in this uh, division from the draft. Um, they went very light on offensive linemen, so... A lot of skill positions, a lot of defensive players. So we're just going to start with uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and we'll do uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland next week. Um, So with Pittsburgh, uh, Terrell Edmonds, um, is it brother of Tremaine Edmonds, I believe? Um, They're related. I don't remember whether they're brothers or cousins, but uh, he was first-round pick for Pittsburgh as a safety and I thought this was an absolutely insane pick for them in the first round. I thought this was just a ridiculous reach. Um, he's super raw. He's not instinctive. He's definitely a physical freak, but like you watch his tape and there's times where you're just like, what are you doing? And I just like, I don't know. I don't have my draft board in front of me, but he was something like a fourth rounder for me, I think. And he was, I don't know. I just, I can't help but laugh. It was a crazy pick and you know, maybe it works out. They, they just got Morgan wrong. Burnett too, right? Like what? They just got Morgan Burnett too. It, it yeah. Makes no sense. And I don't know. It, it was strange and I just, I don't know what they were doing, but you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. We'll see. Um, but I'm just thoroughly uninterested in him across all formats. I don't want him in dynasty. I don't want him in redraft. I don't want him anywhere. Um, James Washington 
uh, receiver, another guy that I was not super high on. Um, he had an interesting college situation because, you know, his athletic profile and just like the things he would do in the things he was asked to do in college weren't necessarily indicative of what he could potentially do. But, and I know that you're not supposed to knock people for that. And you're supposed to look at what could, what does their skill set suggest they can do. But for me, there's just like, if I haven't seen them do it in college, I don't have faith that they can do it in the pros until they show me. And like, you know, sometimes that comes back to bite you. Sometimes it doesn't, but James Washington to me, was just not a very good route runner. He wasn't particularly good at anything, but that like he was well-rounded, but not polished. I don't know. I don't really know how to better explain it than that. He just, didn't really flash to me in any particular area. So, um, that said, he is in a pretty good situation in Pittsburgh. Um, obviously as a good quarterback and, you know, there isn't a ton, uh, like, obviously there's Antonio Brown and there is competition there, but like the, he has a pretty early path to seeing the field behind Juju and Antonio Brown, which, you know, a wide receiver three isn't necessarily, and really wide receiver four, when you take Le'Veon Bell into account, it's not the most desirable thing, but, you know, one injury and suddenly you're in production zone. So um, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, his college quarterback, Mason Rudolph, also went to Pittsburgh. If he sees the field this year, you can probably just say goodbye to fancy value of anybody on Pittsburgh's offense. Um, so I just ignore that in general. Uh, Marcus Allen, he's kind of a safety linebacker hybrid. Um, I'm not quite sure where they're going to play him and I don't know what his positional designation is going to be. He's probably not going to be fantasy relevant, but it's something where like this, I'm not a big fan of him, but it's definitely something where if something happens and Terrell Edmonds on the field and he's struggling, you know, maybe they give the other rookie a shot with Marcus Allen. So, um, Someone to keep an eye on, probably not anything more of a dynasty stash than anything. Um, then moving on to Baltimore. Oh God, these were the two two of my least favorite drafts. <laughs> like these <laughs> two teams, just in my opinion, really botched it. Uh, Baltimore took Hayden Hurst in the first round, and then I think it was the third round they came back and took Mark Andrews, two tight ends, which is just like I very rarely support tight ends in the first round and to take two tight ends in the first three rounds is just mind boggling to me. It just doesn't make any sense, especially when at that point you're just like, you're just saying, okay, so one of these guys is a backup, like definitively is going to be a backup. We're just going to, we're going to draft two of them, hope one of them works out and just assume that one of these draft picks is wasted space. I just, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so in terms of fantasy, I think Mark Andrews, the second one they drafted might actually be the better fantasy option. Like they both are decent receivers, but I think Hayden Hurst is more of the blocking prototype than Mark Andrews is. Whereas Andrews is definitely almost a pure receiver. He's not, he's not the worst blocker in the world. You know, he's not Mike Gusecki, but he's not, he's not somebody that you're going to count on in line to block. So 
like if you're running two tight end sets, I think that generally it's going to be Hayden Hurst that's the one that's staying in the block and Mark Andrews might go out for route. So it's something where I think that you can probably get Mark Andrews at a discount. Um, obviously, rookie tight ends work out very rarely. Um, but, you know, if like week three, week four, you start seeing, you know, Andrews gets like six targets or something like that, you know, he might be worth a last spot on your bench type of type of deal because he could be a red zone threat for him. Um, the big pick for them was Lamar Jackson. And I don't know that he's going to play this year. Flacco was absolutely abysmal last year and he really hasn't been good in a while, but I think they kind of want to bring Lamar Jackson along slowly. I guess like I can't speak from the team's perspective, but if it were me, I would probably give Lamar Jackson a year to sit on the bench and learn if he doesn't. And he actually plays this year. I think he's a must own in redrafts. Like, I don't know that his passing numbers are going to be huge, but just the running ability on its own offers you like top five quarterback potential, I think, which is just crazy. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on that situation. If Flacco's really struggling in the first couple of weeks, um, it might be something where if I have an extra spot, I might just grab him, stash him on my bench and just hope that he gets to see the field. And, you know, like, it's the type of thing where he could run for a hundred yards and two touchdowns and just win you your week. And that's just the end of that. So, um, definitely keep him on your radar all year and don't be late if he's, if he ends up seeing playing time. Um, so then you have two receivers, you have Jordan Lasley and Jaleel Scott, who are kind of polar opposites for Baltimore. I personally prefer Jaleel Scott. I don't think either one of them is particularly polished. And I would say, Probably it's a long shot for either of them to see fantasy relevance, but what sets Jaleel Scott apart is that he can definitely be a red zone threat. He's tall, he's physical, he's got really good hands. Um, his problem is that he doesn't really separate, but you know, you always want to be able to create separation, even in the red zone, like whether it's with your route running, your physicality, whatever it is, you want to be able to do that. And he doesn't excel in that area, but he can definitely win the jump balls. And that's, that's potentially valuable where like the Ravens have typically struggled at the receiver position. So if you find a guy who can get down there and just be a, like one of the primary red zone targets, that's going to be valuable for a team that typically hasn't had that. So keep an eye on him. I, somebody that I'm more interested in dynasty than redraft, but, um, and in dynasty, man, he's fallen to like beyond the third round in places. So like, He's someone I would take a shot on for sure. Um, and then Deshaun Elliott, who I actually really liked as a late round pick um, and could be fantasy relevant sooner rather than later. Um, he's a really good tackler. He can play in the box. Um, he's got interception potential and he's relatively instinctive. So he's definitely more of the in the box, like hard hitting, get up there in your face to make tackles kind of safety, which is in theory what you want for IDP. So um, keep an eye on Deshaun Elliott. He like, you don't generally see late round safeties just come out of nowhere, but, um, it does happen. And, uh, Nicholson last year for Washington was one of those guys, you know, it just, it, these guys come out of nowhere and you don't necessarily want to invest your own draft capital in them, but 
you want to make sure that they're in the forefront of your mind when you're scouring through the waiver wire and, you know, like they won't even be sitting at the top of your waiver wire because they won't be on any teams and they won't be on priorities and anything like that. So they're guys that just kind of, I keep an eye on and you go through and before the year starts, you add them to your watch list, you keep an eye on them and you just kind of wait. And every week I check my watch list. I look at production and I see if anybody's starting to see playing time and, you know, just keep an eye out for those guys. So, uh, yeah, that's my roundup of Pittsburgh and Baltimore, two of my least favorite drafts in the NFL this year. Nice. I had a quick Lamar Jackson question for you. Um, if, if somehow through injury or just horrific play, uh, by Flacco, he does get the starting job. Do you think we're looking at more of a Deshaun Watson or more of like a David Garrard? <laughs> uh, I don't think we're looking at either. Um, Deshaun Watson was definitely a more polished passer by a pretty far margin, um, coming out of college. The thing that makes Lamar Jackson valuable is his legs where since Michael Vick, I don't think we've seen a playmaker like him. Like I, I don't think RG three even really compared to him in terms of running ability. And that may be a hot take, but that's just my opinion where he runs in the open field, like an electric playmaker. You would never know he's a quarterback and he's not the best passer, but he's not the worst passer either. He's definitely capable there. He just might have some growing pains and, you know, he's going to take some development probably, but in the meantime, what makes it easier for him is that you have to pay attention to his legs all the time. You got to dedicate a spy to him. You got to scheme to play against him. And, you know, that opens up holes in the defense. So in terms of fantasy, like a running quarterback is huge because you're going to get points throwing the football, no matter how bad you are at throwing the football, unless like you're very heavily weighted against turnovers, like obscenely heavily weighted, you're going to probably get 10 points out of your passer regardless. Um, you add in, you know, like even just adding in 50 rushing yards, no touchdowns. Suddenly you're at the 15 point mark as like a floor. And that's a pretty, pretty good floor for a quarterback, given that that's the absolute worst you're going to see. So I, I don't know for me, like I definitely see Lamar Jackson as a top potential fantasy quarterback when he starts playing simply because of that, regardless of everything else. Gotcha. Nice. Sounds good. Article deep dive. All right, let's dive deep into this article. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, we're talking about... Um, Gary Van Dyke's article on Cleek Geeks. You can check both of them out on Twitter at HBogart27 and at Cleek Geeks. Uh, John, you want to go into it? Sure. And this is uh, the IDP Geek Huddle. Derwin James and Rashawn Evans. We're covering a couple. Uh, okay. We'll start with Derwin James. And uh, obviously, you want to read the article to get everything here. I'm just going to skim over some of the highlights here. Uh, Derwin James is clearly a rookie tier one uh, and in all IDP, a tier two safety uh, coming into this year. Uh, Gary's projecting 60 to 90 combined tackles as a floor, which is a really great floor for a safety. 
Uh, he's got high dynasty value, high playmaking potential. Uh, this is the type of guy that's going to get you your floor of tackles and then a ton of frosting too, just from his talent level and playmaking ability. Uh, the draft status guarantees massive playing time here. Uh, th there are some pros and cons to him. Uh, sophomore year leaving college leaves some inexperience on his part. So he, he may, it might take a while for him to, you know, diagnose plays as they happen on the field and learn some of the more, uh, brain stuff, if you will, defensively. Uh, but, uh, all, besides that, he, uh, he does have some trouble attacking with tackles. He's more of an absorber when it comes to tackling. And he does have a previous ACL injury that might be a concern. But uh, he is a good physical, um, he's got good physical stature. Uh, until he's coached up, he'll probably have to rely on his physical traits. Uh, but he does have some defensive backs on the field that are veterans that can, that can kind of help him in between plays and stuff like that. Uh, the ideal situation here is that he can win the strong safety job, and that would set him up with a really high tackle floor. But uh, Gary, seems, Gary thinks that even the worst case scenario here is that he's the full-time free safety, uh, which is not bad. You know, you're, you're still going to get a bunch of production out of that. The weak linebacker core in front of them, uh, Hayes Pullard and a couple guys I've never heard of before, uh, including Hayes Pullard until recently, <laughs> uh, are, are not going to really light up the scoreboard, if you will. So he's going to have plenty of opportunity to get in there and make a bunch of plays. Uh, Sean, you did some, some scouting on him for the draft. What was your take on, uh, Mr. Derwin James? Yeah, I don't think he's in the same tier as the Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams tier last year, but he's definitely a really good safety. He's a top prospect for me out of this class. He's really well-rounded and like, I think that he's definitely best suited for the strong safety role, like free safety roaming out there like that. And is not as much as strong suit. He's definitely better up in the box and making tackles and stuff like that. And while he's not necessarily the hard hitting enforcer, um, and he can absorb tackles more often, he's good at getting guys down, you know, and that's really uh, like if, as long as he can continue to get guys down at the NFL level, that stuff doesn't really concern me too much in terms of a fantasy perspective. And what I really like too, is that, he can play man coverage on, you know, some of the bigger slot receivers, tight ends, all that stuff. So you're going to have a lot of situations where, you know, like third down and they got a tight end split out um, as like that flexed out tight end. You're going to see a lot of Derwin James up there playing man coverage and stuff, which first of all, puts him a lot around the line of scrimmage. Second of all, is going to put him manned up on what would typically be, you know, like the quote unquote security blanket for the, for the quarterback, which is going to give him a lot of opportunities in that way. And I think you're just going to see a lot of him hanging around the box and just being in a position to make tackles in a situation that's generally void of talent in that department. So. Yeah. Yeah. His, his outlook looks high for certainly for dynasty. And I think in redraft also. Yeah, I agree. Okay, and uh, the second guy we're looking at today is Rashawn Evans, who is going to be the inside linebacker in a 3-4 uh, on the Tennessee Titans next to Wesley Woodyard. Uh, so Mr. Evans here is also rookie tier one. Uh, Gary's thinking he's going to be tier two linebacker in redraft. Uh, the floor is about 80 to 100 combined tackles. Playmaking ability is high. Dynasty value is high. 
this is he's filling a, a, a hole that was left by Avery Williamson going to the Jets. So this is perfect for for him to just slide in and, and take over that production. So there'll be plenty of opportunity for him there. Uh, another thing that works in his favor is the head coach, Mike Vrabel, who was a, a great linebacker in his day, is going to kind of help him with the knowledge part of the game. Uh, he is experienced, uh, left in his junior year, went to three national title games. Uh, so we, the, the, the big uh, stadium, the big moments, not going to hurt him as much as it would some other guys. Uh, there are some possible durability issues. Uh, he does have some slower instincts. Uh, tackling might need a little improvement, but he can work on all that. Uh, he will be competing with Wesley Woodyard for tackles. Uh, Woodyard finished like 13th or 14th overall in combined tackles last year, so that's going to take some of his production, but there still should be plenty to go around. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he might be able to surpass Roquan Smith and be the number two rookie linebacker, uh, according to Gary. Um, so, yeah, th- this guy is is really good in um, basically most of the departments you want point-wise you know, for getting IDP points and uh dynasty value high redraft. I'm probably taking him like at the end of tier two. Um, Sean, what'd you see on him? Yeah, I agree with most of that. Um, I think that it's something to note is that he played edge a good amount at Alabama early in his career. So uh, like kind of what you're looking at is, somebody who is still developing their instincts, which means that like what you've seen on tape is still a work in progress. And for his tape last year to be a work in progress is absolutely phenomenal. Um, because I think that he did do everything fairly well. He covers well, he blitzes well, rushes the passer. Well, I think he tackles really well. Um, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that Gary didn't like his tackling a little more. Um, so that was one of the parts of his game that I liked a lot. Um, but I think he's aggressive and he's always trying to get to the ball. And that's something that is going to obviously help his production. And just from a fantasy perspective, um, when you look at it, Avery Williamson had a pretty good year last year. And I think Rashawn Evans is the better player and he's stepping right into that role. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much guaranteed production as long as he can stay on the field. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And, uh, yep, we'll have obviously plenty more articles coming to you, especially with the, the Friday launch. We're going to be kind of probably backlogged with articles for a while here, but, for sure. uh, but yeah, so make sure and check out, uh, Gary Van Dyke and cleat geeks, um, on both, uh, as well as on Twitter at H Bogart 27 and at cleat geeks. So, uh, now let's turn our focus to, uh, one of our newer segments, too hot, too furious, so hot it's melting Sean's face off. Oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> so uh, this is our our hot takeoff. We're going to we started this last week where we each go around give a, a plausible hot take, and uh, then we send that out into the Twitterverse to see what you guys think and who you think had the m- most likely hot take. Um, and then we'll go over that. So uh, let's let's talk about last week's take. Um, so we had uh, Sean did Jimmy G uh, below QB 12. I did Rashad Penny below running back 24. And John had top three linebackers last year will fall. Uh, we had 90 votes. And uh, the winner with 49% 
Rashad Penny below 24. Uh, QB, okay. Running now, hold on. Stop for a second. Yep. You should not be allowed to make polls anymore. Why? Because <laughs> you make the most like, okay, below. What do you mean by below? Ah, see, I'm not the only one. How many people do you think were like, oh yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's like going to be a top 15. 24 quarterback. Yep. Right. Like, yep. You got to say worse than. There you, you go. Worse than Absolutely. Because, yeah. Because what people are looking at, they're like, oh yeah, I, I like Rashad Penny. He's definitely going to be an RB two. And then they pick yours because they disagree with your take. That's mm-hmm. what I'm taking away from this. Yeah. I gave him this lecture a couple days ago. Yep. Yep. Good point. Good point. I'm not yep. letting you have this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my favorite thing is uh, that he, he edits the podcast, sends it out. And within an hour of it being out there, we've got 50 something votes. The whole show is an hour, 20 minutes. And we did this as the second to last segment. So those people could not have physically listened to this segment before voting. Yet somehow he's getting the majority of the votes. This is total horseshit. (laughs) If they would have heard him explain it, he would have definitely gotten less votes. Are we calling collusion on this shenanigans? Something? (laughs) We're just calling bad poll taking, like (laughs) like calling craft beers, weird names. Like yeah, that was terrible. Paul, you're just, you're bad at them. It's not your strong. (laughs) (laughs) all right all right i'll take that i to me i always figure that uh rankings are read from top to bottom first to last uh so below would be you know outside of uh you know qb12 or running back 24 so but i get it i'll work on it i'll make sure the the next ones will be better um personally i think that uh, John had the best, uh, the most accurate hot take. Well, well John had five pages of research. <laughs> this is also true. This is also true. I, I was shooting from the hip. Yeah. <laughs> you never do that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Who, who's leading it this week? Um, I'll lead I'll off. Mine. Oh, go ahead, Fine. Sean. No, no. You, okay. you won. I won. Go. No, so. it's right. You do get the the uh, honors. All right. I'll take the honors here. Um, so my hot take. Um the Browns will have eight wins this year. Um, I, I like it. You, you like it. Um, so I like it. basically uh, I thought that the team last year was a four win team, even though they went and 16, um, they had the talent. I think that could have uh, gotten a few, few, a few wins at least uh, and that they had some bad breaks that basically caused their own 16 season. John and I were at uh, the lions game between them and, and they owned the lions for two and a half quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just had, I think there was a bad fumble that Duke Johnson dropped. Um, they just came apart. Yeah. Yeah. They just came apart. And so I think that uh, if they were a four win team last year, the additions they made in the off season, um, easily could give them another four wins. They were 0-16, so they have the easy, they should have the easiest schedule uh, just based off how the um, NFL puts their schedule together. So there should be no reason for them to not improve. And I'm saying improve on the 4-12 and 12 rather than the 0-16. So I put them at eight wins and um, 
Well, what was their biggest problem last year? It was, I think it was quarterback, Quarterizer. right? Yeah, it was quarterback. Yep. And they've, they've, you, they got like, Bayfield. Even if you just take away the turnovers that Kaiser had on his own, like that team is exponentially better. Yeah, yeah. right. And they went and got Tyrod Taylor and Mayfield. Even if they don't, if they stay away from Mayfield and they go Tyrod Taylor, he went nine and seven with the Bills last year. And it, it, he actually got sat that game for Peterman. Mm-hmm. It could have been 10 and six. Like yeah. he, he's a reliable, steady guy. He's not going to make as nearly as many mistakes as those clowns made last year. Uh, and the talent around him is going to be off. Like compared to what they've normally had, it's going to be really good yeah. this year. So exactly. I, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is a hot take only because I feel like most people are pegging them between four and six wins. Uh, because they were zero and sixteen, but because I saw them as more of a four and twelve team, uh, talent wise last year, um, that's why my my take is hot. It's it's more more wins than uh, four to six this year. So, I think that's going to be a popular take. I like it. Mm-hmm. I vote for that. Yeah, that's good. So uh, Sean came in second. So do you want to go off, Sean? Sure. Uh, Jerick McKinnon is going to end up outside the top 20 running backs. Um, I don't think he's a very good running back. I think he's more based on, he's more of an athlete than a running back. I've said that before, but I just don't think he has the instincts and I don't think he's nearly the player that people want him to be, that they believe him to be. I just, I don't know. I don't know where all the love came from. He's never been a great running back and suddenly he's just in a good situation. And like everybody wants to believe that he's good enough to capitalize on that situation. I don't necessarily know that that's the case, but the bigger thing for me here is that there are so many good running backs in the NFL. Now after last year and this year's influx in talent, like go look at a list of running backs and like, LaShawn McCoy is like most people's like RB 15 or something like that. And And that's crazy. Yeah. There are so many good running backs. You're right. Yeah. There's a ton of them. And I think that like people are feeling like McKinnon should be like running back 12. So they're just kind of like finding way just because like, you know, before these last two years, running back 12 was not particularly impressive because there weren't a lot of great running backs in the NFL at the time. We got like 10 of them in the last two years. Um, So like RB 12 to people holds like a certain like value in people's minds. So they're just kind of like finding ways to justify bumping the cannon up further and further. And it's just to me, that's, that's crazy. I don't know. I, I think there's a really good chance he ends up outside the top 20 because there's probably at least, 16 guys that I like above him. And then, you know, there's always like a couple more that just kind of come out of nowhere and sneak in. Do you think there's a chance he gets sad at some point this year? I don't know who else is behind him, but I think there's a really good chance. They just move to a committee rather than giving him the workload that everyone seems to think he's going to be getting. And there's also a chance that like, they find somebody else that's just as suited to catch passes as he is because like he's a great athlete and he catches the ball well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to lean in favor of somebody who can also 
run effectively between the tackles, carry a workload and catch passes. You know, like I think that there's a chance that he gets relegated to like a specific role within the offense. And I don't know that having a specific role is going to be good for like a top end RB two even in this current landscape of running backs in the NFL. Yeah, I can see it. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, we'll make sure that that's accurately worded in the poll this week. Yeah. I also don't think that, like, I don't hate the 49ers, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, so you guys are going to have to bear with me here. I'm going to have to accelerate to light speed to get through all this because there's like four pages of shit here. But the bottom line is you can take the Buffalo Bills and just draft them in an all-IDP league and go to the playoffs every year, period. Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. So here's how I did it. I took uh, our league last year that we played in our all IDP league, and I took the top four teams from their regular season point totals, right? I took the best two linebackers, best two safeties, best two corners, best three defensive line out of each of those top four teams, assigned one point per tackle, half point per assist, one point for pass defense, two points for picks, two points for sacks, came up with the point totals out of that, right? Uh, my team, which finished in first place, was Deion Jones, Zach Brown, Rashad Jones, Matthias Farley, Adoree Jackson, Desmond King, Cameron Jordan, Joey Bosa, Michael Brockers, 860 points. Your team, Nate, I took Blake Martinez, Levante David, Landon Collins, Antoine Bethea, Darius Slay, Brent Grimes, Calais Campbell, Cameron Hayward, Aaron Donald. You had 770 points, uh, which would have been second place in the All-IDP League, right? Which it was. Yep. Uh, third place team had seven, uh, 758. Uh, they were Joe Schobert, um, Christian Kirk, uh, Eric Weddle, Glover Quinn, Trey Waynes, Marshawn Lattimore, Khalil Mack, and Dominican Sue, Jarrell Casey. And the fourth place team had 729. They were Luke Keekley, Von Miller, Harrison Smith, ha ha ha, Clinton Dix, mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm Butler, Jalen Ramsey, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, Jadavian Clowney, right? So these are not shit teams. Yeah, these, that was Christian Kirksey, right? Not Christian Kirk. Yeah, yeah, Christian Kirksey, right? I'm just going fast here. Yeah, no so problem. these are not shit teams. These I took the best players from those top four teams and filled them out with this, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, the 2017 Bills. And this only works if you can get 16 games out of all these guys. So I had to extrapolate out what 16 games would look like with a couple of the players because there are injuries and stuff. But assuming you can get these positions filled with Buffalo Bills and they stay healthy the entire year, what would have happened last year is 752 points out of Preston Brown, Ramon Humber, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, EJ Gaines, Jerry Hughes, Kyle Williams, Shaq Lawson. And that would have been fourth place and made the playoffs. 2016, you would have gotten 755 points, fourth place, Made the playoffs with Zach Brown, Preston Brown, Corey Graham, three starting safeties, Ronald Darby, Stephen Gilmore, Kyle Williams, Laguerre Doosable, whoever that is, and Marcel Darius. Okay. And this goes all the way back. I went 2015, 14, 13, 12. Uh, I don't know how far back it goes, but I'm assuming probably Jim Kelly. That was the last time they really had an offense that I can remember. Sean, do you remember any great Bills offense of late? No. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'm saying is until they get an offense that's somewhat decent, uh, which is certainly not going to be this year. Not with Josh Allen. Not with Josh Allen or Nathan Peterman or AJ McCarron. You can just draft Buffalo Bills and you'll make the playoffs. <laughs> period. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that take. I really do. I'm voting for that yeah. take. I'm voting for that. Sorry, Nate. 
<laughs> My dick sucks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus. That is good stuff. But yeah, we'll, we'll throw them out there. We'll yep. see what everyone thinks. That's nice. All right. So uh, I'll do the money one real quick and then we'll do the interesting one that I was uh, teasing Sean with earlier. Okay. So the money one world cup starts next week, right? Uh, Group G, the winner, Belgium is the favorite, right? But England's in second place at plus 115. So $10 would win you $11.50. I think there's a more than good chance that England wins that group. Uh, They've been disappointing as of late in the world cup, but they've got a solid team this year. I think they can take out Belgium. So there, there's your money play right there. What I saw that was really interesting is who will rule Westeros at mm. the end of season eight, Game of Thrones? That's oh. great. You ready for this, Sean? Oh, yeah, let's hear the money. <laughs> so obviously the two favorites are Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen, both at plus 200. $10 will get you 20. The Night King is at plus 1,000. That's that's my money, man, right there. So $10 gets you 100 if the Night King wins everything, which I wouldn't put past George R.R. Yeah. R. Martin. You know what I mean? Uh, and a dark horse I saw that has a really great price, Tyrion Lannister, plus $12.50. $10 gets you $125 if Tyrion somehow ends up on the Iron Throne. Is there a nobody option? Like, that's my theory. That's my theory is that they're going to kill the Night King and a bunch of people are going to die and the place is just going to be in ruins and the show's going to end with them having to basically rise from the ashes. Yeah, I don't think there was a nobody option. Um, no, not that I saw. There were some wild ones, though, like the mountains, like plus 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the ending I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I saw that and I thought of you. I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, I, I got to find... I got to find more Game of Thrones betting lines. Yeah, yeah. I might throw some money on Jon Snow and maybe Tyrion or the Night King. That that would be good, I think. I don't know, man. I think if you're betting on any of them, you're throwing your money away. I I don't think that any of them are going to rule Westeros. That's just me, though. It's just it's too much of a dark parallel to Lord of the Rings where if everybody could just work together, they could solve the problem. Except that the difference is, is that in Westeros, nobody can work together. So the problem's not going to get solved. Yeah, definitely. I wonder what happens then if, if no one did, does everyone get their money back or does uh, Bovada just take all of everyone's they t- cash? They take everything. That's how, <laughs> that's how they're winning money on this. They know what I know. Nobody's ruling Westeros when this is over. Oh, Jesus. I could see it. Nice. Yep. So with that, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at IDP guys on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash IDP guys. Uh, individually, I'm at Nate cheat. John is at orange man, three, one, four, two. And Sean is at Lanny one, nine, two, five. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play. If you're not uh, listening on there, uh, we're also on any and all of your favorite podcatchers. Um, they just kind of automatically go there. And then uh, if you'd like to help us out, we've been making some upgrades. You heard it this this week with uh, the the drops, the new drops. Um, all of this stuff, 
you know, costs a little bit of cash. So, uh, and, and the website, you know, we need hosting fees and stuff paid. Um, so go to patreon.com slash IDP guys, please help us out. Uh, whatever you can donate. Uh, we've set up a, uh, discord server that you'll automatically get a invite to, uh, and our writers are there now. Um, you can, um, get involved, get into that and have your questions answered by, you know, people from the show. Um, and that is exclusive to Patreon members. Uh, if you're not a patron member, you can still see it, but you can't, um, can't participate. Yeah. You can't participate. You can just watch. Um, then also we've got the website launching on Friday at noon. So, uh, you know, mark your calendars for that. Uh, that, is idpguys.org. Um, but with that, we've finished another show. What do you guys think of those drops, man? Uh, Sick. Uh, yeah.